Blog Talk Radio. Father calls a son, he does not leave him full of the world, of his own desires and instincts of the flesh. The father calls his son to his side, and then angels are dispatched to bring him his son. These angels know the condition the son must be in to present himself before the father. He cannot come full of himself with all of his worldly desires, his ego, lest he feel the pain of his sin and flee before even hearing his father's voice like Adam hiding from his shame. Like fine gold is refined by fire, the son is confronted by the devil face to face, just as Job faced Satan at the will of God. As Christ was tempted for 40 days prior to returning to start his ministry, Christ faced the evil one who brought the heat of the furnace to purify his heart, soul, and his mind of this world. Every calling in the word of God for the Son of Man is the same, but manifests in different ways, but always has the same outcome. The Son of Man is finally purified, refined like fine gold, knowing his own sin and grasping the law of God so deeply that he can finally confess his unworthy stature and repent fully, completely, with a fully humble and contrite heart. Then and only then can the Son approach the throne of His Father. And even so, He still crawls. The fact that you are here listening to this show demonstrates that you are heeding the call. For many are called, and few are chosen. Those that are chosen have to actually respond to that call. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining the show this evening. Sorry if I coughed in your ear. I was trying to clear my throat before having to talk for two hours. So uh, I'm really happy everyone is here. I'm seeing that the chat room is filled up. And uh, I'm surprised because we need some scripture from all of you. So you pick your favorite scripture from the book of John because that is the focus of this evening. And... uh, I'm going to start off first by um, reading to you uh, something that would be a follow-up to the video today. And if you hear things banging and clanging around, I apologize. That would be the wind that kind of feels like hurricane force winds outside. It's getting heavier and heavier, so uh, the sky is looking quite ominous this evening. I'm not sure how it looks for all of you, but uh, go ahead and sound off and at least tell me what the uh, sky looks like in your area. And also, um, let me know where you're all calling from. So in the chat box, if you're, uh, if you're uh, here on chat and logged in, please let me know where you're listening from. I'd like to uh, kind of get an idea of where everyone is at. Lately, I've been seeing thousands and thousands of emails as I keep going through from Texas. So apparently, 
Texas is definitely hearing the message. I just wanted to let you all know that. Tennessee here, so wonderful. Welcome from Tennessee. And uh, I know that we have some up in uh, Washington State, I believe, Spokane. Thank you for joining Spokane. Much love to you. And uh, somebody's asking a question correctly. Um, who is John? Is John the baptizer? No. Uh, I'm going to get into a little bit of um, about the book of John because it is quite interesting. You may have seen in the description that the book of John, once I began to uh, to look into the different translations, reading it in Greek, reading it in Aramaic, even you know to understand the original language in Aramaic that they would have been speaking or that uh, that Yeshua would have been speaking at the time, and then understanding the intonation of how someone speaks at that time. So this may, may be startling for you to hear, and if you do some research, you'll find that um, that this is a subject matter that has been looked at quite extensively. And it has very serious ramifications as far as the understanding of the church as a whole, as where it went and what it became with, uh, with the Pauline doctrine that was introduced within the church. And what I mean by that is when we look at the scripture in the original language and in the, um, in the original writing, the words that were used and the way that they were used. And today, if... If you read something from a specific writer, you can, you can glean from that writing um, his style, certain words that he uses, um, certain phrases, and also timing, punctuation, lots of different things that would attribute the writing to a specific writer if you had other writings to, um, to compare it against. Well, the book of John, the gospel itself, is m markedly different than John's other writings. So it has always been assumed uh, by even, uh, even people that are fully indoctrinated, but theologians that have studied this, it has always been assumed that John was not the writer of the Gospel of John, although it says that it is the Gospel of John. So let me explain this in a little bit more detail. That the writing itself at that time is very uh, distinguishable between male and female, very different tones. First of all, females were not uh, very welcome to write much of anything or to participate in anything at the time. So a woman's writing was very detectable. And the book of John has all the attributes of a woman's hand. And considering that John and Mary were quite close to Yeshua, it is understood that Mary may very well have been the writer of the Gospel of John, which would not surprise me in the least, because she was probably the most spiritual, all of the disciples. And she was highly respected amongst uh, those that were far more in the spirit and less about the traditional teachings of Judaism at the time, because Judaism was incredibly strict and particularly with regards to women. So in order for that gospel to, to even be read, um, if it were written by a woman, they would definitely have had to have put a male name on it. So somebody would even read it. 
And it was uh, very outside the characteristics of John's writings because it was – even though John was highly spiritual, but he was highly analytical. And the book of John, the gospel itself, is unbelievably spiritual. It's probably the, the, most, um, the most profound of them all, and it is incredibly cryptic. So that would have uh, lent itself to someone that understood the cryptographic writings – and being the companion of Yeshua, she certainly would have been because she would have spent more time with him. And um, I am continuously astonished at the complexity of this book. That there are – that in one phrase, in one paragraph can be articulated the social and economic systems of the day – and explain what was going on from that social economic system, and at the same time give such deep spiritual truths about it, and speak to you, the reader, but also speak to you as a Christ, and speak to you as uh, as somebody that is seeking to uh, disavow Christ. It is truly remarkable that the writing is so complex that I marvel at. I mean, I absolutely marvel. At the um, at the writing, it is the more I read it, the more I get into it. It's if I had only one book out of all of the texts I've read, it would be the Book of John. It is that profound, and um, it always brings me to life every single time I read it. So, I wanted to continue with um, uh, as a continuation of the video, reading you the high priestly prayer, which is John 17, and. Um, it is when he begins to after after he's he's met with the apostles and he knows that he's going to uh, basically be crucified. So this is his prayer for everyone. Now keep in mind and remember the things that I spoke of in the video that he was stating in every sense of the words that are written and spoken that what he has is yours to have also. And so when he was speaking, and he would say, through me, because he was the only one speaking these truths. And so it's through him that you're going to receive this, because he is the evidence. He is the personification of it to them. And so as you receive these truths, it, it becomes through that, through that person that you heard it. They were your light. They became your savior, and you will become someone else's. As I explained, that this is a this is a process. The growth of this body must take place in this way. And so, I'm going to read the high priestly prayer, and this is John 17. As I said, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted his up his eyes up to heaven and said, "Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you." Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all, all who you have given him, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorify you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Remember, I said that... We did not come from here. This is a different stage. This is not home. So we were before the foundation of the world, just like he was before the foundation of the world. 
And continuing from 17.6, I have manifest your name, that name being Christ, to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word, Christ. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. So now they're believing all of the things that he has is from the Father. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have now come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. So he's specifically praying for those are that, that were given to him to speak to. So he is acknowledging in that statement that he isn't God, that God is providing these things. So for anybody that wants to make him the Father, they're incorrect. They can know the Father through him, but he is not the manifestation of the Father, that you are a portion of that. So then he says in 1710, all mine are yours, and all yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. So he's acknowledging that he's coming, that he's not going to be staying here. Holy Father, keep them in your name, Christ, which you have given me. So keep them in Christ, not in Jesus, not in Yeshua, but in Christ, that they may be one even as we are one, you cannot – so listen very closely to that. Holy Father, keep them in your name, Christ, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one, that they may be ex- exactly the same as he is. Not some of it, not a little bit of it, maybe maybe a little – no, all of it. It is yours. It is yours to have. You cannot – Walk into a church and show them this and have a conversation with any, any preacher on any pulpit and show them this and ask, what does that mean? They'll make up excuse after excuse after excuse because they have worked their entire career in convincing you that he's separate from you, which is unbelievable that they would do such a thing and, and brutalize these scriptures this way. So I'll continue. While I was with them... I kept them in your name, Christ, which you have given me. Again, he's confirming these things over and over and over, so you cannot mistake it. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture may be fulfilled. So I'm going to stop there for a second. Think about this, is that if you ask someone if Judas was evil, they're going to say, of course he was. He's the one that that betrayed Yeshua. Well, he basically is saying that Judas was a requirement to fulfill the prophecy of Scripture. So if he's actually doing the work to fulfill the prophecy, then is he evil or is he being used for a greater work? And is he actually sacrificing himself for that work? Now, that didn't happen by accident. Remember, It is Yeshua that told him, go out and do what you need to do. Get it done. Because he wasn't interested in staying staying on this planet as much as I'm not interested in staying on this planet. So I fully understand it. He wanted to get out of Dodge. So, So he is saying that it 
has to be fulfilled, that it must be. Now, continuing in verse 13, but now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves, so that they may feel exactly as he feels, how joyful he is. And I have given them your word, Christ, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Remember, I've said this many times, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. So he needs them to maintain Christ, stay in the world, and continue to spread the gospel so that he can leave and then come as the helper. They are not of this world just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them in truth. There's that word. Your word, Christ, is truth. It doesn't know a lie. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So being in the world and not of it is what he's speaking of. And for their sake, I consecrate myself. He's separating himself for their sake from them. So he is separating himself. Consecrate means to separate and to sanctify. You sent me into the world, so I have sent them to the world, and for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth, that they may be separated into the truth from the lies. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, all of them, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. That they may be one, even as we are one. He repeats this over and over and over, just to make sure that it cannot be mistaken. I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfectly one. Not fifty, not a thousand, but one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world, just as he has loved all of you before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. So understand what he's saying here. He's saying that he knows the Father so deeply, and even though he has given them uh, that he has given them the Father's word, that he has given them Christ, that they still have work to know the Father fully. And in verse 26, I made to them, I made known to them your name, Christ, and I will continue to make it known. He's going to continue. That's the sign that he is the Helper. That the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So that is truly, you cannot get away from that high priestly prayer. You cannot, if you walked into a church today and you wanted to be part of it, and you wanted to believe as they did, you would have to ignore 80% of what Yeshua said. You would have to blatantly ignore it in order to comply with their belief systems and their doctrines. And that's precisely what was taking place in his day. 
So with that, I'm going to go to a caller here. And we have uh, Chris from L.A. wants to uh, wants to discuss John 129. Chris from L.A., you're on. Hello. How Hello. are you? Hello. Yeah. Good. How are you? Can you hear me? I'm okay. I can. Okay, great. So I just want to get your take on John 129. Okay. So let's, let me get to that. So behold the Lamb of God. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So he is speaking of so first of all, you know that John and um, John and Yeshua were cousins. They knew each other, right? And it wasn't the, yeah. So that that wasn't a mystery between them. Um, John knew his position. John was quite a bit more senior. When you get into the Dead Sea Scrolls, you understand that John was quite a bit more senior than uh, than Yeshua was within their community. The Qumran community, the Essenes, were extremely strict. Um, I would say overly restrict, uh, restrictive uh, Jews. So John had spent the better part of his life being a teacher of this strict Judaism, which is why they were outside the fold of Jerusalem. They were they were a community, a sect that had gone away. Call them, you know, that they would be the the David Koresh of the Jews at the time. <laughs> and and yeah, seriously, I'm not kidding. They were that. They were that extreme in their in their beliefs, and one of the main uh, one of the main tenets of where um, where Yeshua had become separated from them was when it came to the um, the blood sacrifices, the killing of animals. So, on this is that uh, that Yeshua had opened up the eyes of John. In his understanding, John be- began to. Uh, to know these truths, and that's why he would separate himself and go out and why he was baptizing people in the river. But he couldn't he, – his entire community would have crumbled if he – because he being the kind of high priest of the group at the time, he was called the teacher of righteousness. And, mm-hmm. um, and Yeshua was called the evil priest by the sect itself because of the okay. things that he was speaking were going – uh, in such contrast to what John and the Jews had taught, which was obviously following following these other gods that they were unaware that they were serving. So in this, okay. that John fully understanding the scripture, John fully understanding that the lamb, the the sacrificial lamb being him, right, that he would become that, just as you will. When you start speaking these truths, just like you see that I am. So all of these things become... Uh, allegory, right, in in the spiritual realm and in the physical realm, that there are people out there. Believe me, I get death threats, um, and if and if I began to disrupt, let's say that there was a fifty thousand person church and forty thousand of them left the church because of things that I was saying. Believe me, I'm going to be hearing from that church, and the people within that town. That's going to make a difference because obviously there will be people within that church congregation. So you become the sacrificial lamb to them. Okay. So this the the lamb of God itself is truly. Hey, you're you're sacrificing yourself. The minute that you begin to speak these truths, you become that lamb, and that we are all 
lambs of God when it comes to that. So, but we are lambs to that God. He will sacrifice us. He will destroy us in this world because that's his job. The enemy's job is the cross. The enemy's job is to destroy you in this world. He is opposition to the Father 100%. So that's, that's what's going to happen. Okay, so, so what about this other part where it says, um, who takes away the sin of the world? That's exactly the same thing. So if you have been told, yeah, if if you've been told and you've been taught that you have all of these sins, for instance, where uh, where Paul would would talk about uh, talk about Christ saying um, the law doesn't matter anymore. He was correct in that way that the laws of the land that they espoused as being the laws of God were misinterpretations of the laws of God that they had taken this and that they had. You see what I'm saying? That they had. So he basically he could come in and tell them. You haven't sinned. You're free of sin. I've forgiven you of those sins. And by the way, I can show you in Scripture where the Father has already forgiven you because he doesn't judge you. You judge you, right? We, this is, we're the image of God, so we do this. So just by saying it, he could remove their sins. That's why he said, just so you know, the Son of Man has the authority to, uh, to forgive sins here in this world because you do. You, when you go to Got somebody it. and you inform them of these things, they are free of their sin, and you'll see that sin come off of them, and you'll see their life change as a result of it. Okay. See, the, the, the part where you have to rethink these things is to understand that, that you're a child of the Father who has given you these authorities. You're his child, right? You are literally his. So what does he say? No, stand over there in the corner, shut up, and be good? No, that's not him. He's, <laughs> you're in training, this is this is training to get away from from the lies and to understand just how good he is. I hope that helped. Yes, it did tremendously. Right. Um, can I ask you one more? One more is sure. that okay? Okay. Yep. So it's um it's actually John three fourteen. Um, John three. And it's uh yeah he you can get there. Okay, one second three fourteen. I want to make sure that I read it directly. I get lots of grief. People, oh, you're not reading it. So, you know, just... Okay, so 3.14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent... Boy, this is a very... Uh, this, is, there's, this may be a little bit of a long, uh, long explanation oh, okay. of this. Uh, and as Moses lifted up uh, the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So um, it's actually... This is a, I'm really happy that you came to this. So Moses lifted up the serpent. What it was is the people became sick. Um, now, uh, Moses was very much a magician. So understand that when the Magi came to, um, when the Magi saw the star of, of Christ, the Magi were magicians. That's what Magi means. Um, okay. Moses was also a magician. So that's why he was facing the magicians when, when they were throwing their staffs down and basically, uh, you know, uh, comparing each other's egos at that point, okay. throwing each other's staff down, and Moses threw his staff down, and his staff ate. You know, the 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 magicians threw their staff down, and it turned to a uh, serpent, and Moses threw his staff staff down, and it turned to a serpent as well. But his serpent then ate theirs. So um, that was the comparison. So when he when it came to these things, so this is again allegory, understanding who you are, and that you have these serpents in you. The sign of medical being your twisted pair of DNA, right? So mm-hmm. he bringing this to the people 
and and holding it up that they would no longer be ill. Just to to paraphrase this, they would no longer be ill when they looked at the snake and they understood the things that he was speaking about them. That they would no longer be afflicted by the snake within them. So he held it up and said, "This is how simple this is, right?" And so Uh this is the Son of Man being lifted up, that he's going to tell you that Yeshua comes and says, look, all of these things that I say to you are true, and if they weren't true, they wouldn't be trying to kill me, right? Why why would I be a threat, Mm -hmm. right? So he's saying, I am the Lamb. They're going to sacrifice me. The enemy loves blood. He's going to kill me on that cross because that's his job, so I will be lifted up as, as well. Right? So he had to be lifted up. He knew that that was going to take place in order to actually prove what he was saying is true. Because, see, it's like me or you. If, if what we're talking about wasn't a threat to them, wasn't an opposition, wasn't truly a threat of truth that they can't deny, they wouldn't even care. Right? Nobody, nobody cares sure. about you talking about something that is completely unrelated. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't impact them. But the second you start mm-hmm. speaking, these truths, all of a sudden they're nervous. They don't have a problem with 30,000 different denominations speaking different truths because, oh, well, they all speak about the same, the same God. But they don't have that issue. But all of a sudden you start removing pieces and you start clarifying the scripture in, in such a way that it begins to destroy their life, livelihood because you're literally destroying their livelihood because their livelihood, they have built up these false temples, which is why, why Yeshua said, do you see all of these stones? The, all of this, this temple, do you see all of these things? There won't be one stone that is not thrown down because he was going to destroy all of the false temples within their thoughts and within their understanding and that they themselves would destroy the temple because the temple became a physical manifestation of the lies that they had built within themselves. And so that's a, that's oh, a, a short, abbreviated version, explanation of that. But it's precisely what it is that, that he became... He became the same thing. Moses showed them who they were and put it up on the staff mm-hmm. to heal them so that it was the truth. And so he puts himself up on the cross to show you that what he says about you is true because they're going to kill you uh. to prove it. Because otherwise, otherwise it would, they wouldn't even waste their time, and they certainly wouldn't, wouldn't risk an uprising of thousands of people because that's what they were facing. They were worried of risking an uprising of thousands of people. And they wanted actually in the book of John explains to you that they wanted to build a false religion around his death, so they were just very satisfied to kill him and, and begin on their on their path, which they did, making Paul the first pope and and the rest is history, as they say. But I'm sure we'll probably get into that as we get into the book of John more. Right. All right. Wow. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Of course. Yes, of course. All right. So let's go to um Thank you for calling again, Chris. Uh, let's go to uh, Ricardo in San Bernardino. Ricardo in San Bernardino. You know, I was born in San Bernardino, just so you know. And I can give you a little bit of history about San Bernardino. Ricardo, are you there? I am here. So um, you wanted to ask a question. I don't see a specific uh, scripture within the description here, but uh, is there a scripture or you had a question? You know, I had a question about uh, the resurrection. Um, I didn't know that you were going to be speaking of the book of John. Um, but I, oh, that's okay. I, do have some, I do have something to say about the book of John. Um, okay. I just heard what you, what you told uh, Chris. I think that's, that was yes. me. Um, mm-hmm. About how Moses lifted up the serpent. 
my wife and I, we read the same, the same verse, um, but yeah. we were trying to figure out um, the difference between Lord God and the Father at the point where we were reading John. And when she read it, um, she, she said, she understood it a little bit differently. She said, the way that Moses lifted up the serpent um, and made a false, basically a false idol and the way that the Son of Man should be lifted up. And I thought, I thought that meant like glorified to see him on high. Um, and I, comp- I, I saw it a little bit different. I, I understand what you're saying, and it makes sense what you, what you said. But I remember when you said that you can figure out different truths in the same, in the same text. So when yes. my question is, when you read that, did that did did you see what I just mentioned? Uh, try say that one more time. I just want to make sure that I heard you correctly. Okay. So, so when so I read, say it one more. When I read the verse, um, I imagined Moses lifting up the serpent, and the people um, kind of worshiping the serpent as a false idol to save them from the sickness. And I saw, and I thought that when they lifted up the Son of Man, they would be lifting up Jesus, worshiping him. So so I saw, I was imagining in both ways on how Lord God told um, the people to worship the, see the Son of Man up, up in high. Does that make sense? Yes, it, yes, it does. Now, uh, I'll tell you where, when when reading the scripture, and this is where discernment also comes in, that doesn't mean that what you're saying isn't true, that, that, um, that discernment is going to disprove something that you say, because I'll never tell you that your understanding or what you see is wrong, because that's the genius. That is the absolute amazing, uh, um, that's what amazes me about these scriptures, is that there are um, so many truths within a single line. But that's why – that's precisely what cryptography is. So yes, you would be correct that he is saying this serpent. He's basically showing you who's in you, yes, and, and now Moses being a um, – being one that is conflicted between father at that time, and but primarily working on behalf of one that appears to him in the physical form. So being the one that appears to him in physical form being that of this false god or Godriel. As as we've said, so yes, he could have been showing them that and saying, worship this and understand that he is in you and that he can heal you and worship that. But Yeshua would never say, worship me. In fact, he tells you not to. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you when you look at through throughout the scriptures, particularly John's writings in, in uh, Revelation, he's very clear that when he goes to bow before an angel, the angel tells him, uh, and even Yeshua says this when he's being tempted by, uh, uh, by the devil in the wilderness, worship God only, only him. Never, It's never going to be this. Even yourself in Christ, you're never going to worship yourself. In fact, it, it's the, that is the antithesis of it. So this is where you would have some of these other New Age beliefs that are worship yourself as God. You don't, because once you understand the Father and you understand all of us together, there is no greater than or less than. You are a body and you are all equal. 
So competition within that is null and void. It doesn't exist. That's why the least of you will be the most, right? So whoever is lowered themselves to serve everybody else is going to be the one that is exalted. That's why, uh, that's why is those who humble themselves will be exalted. Right. So okay. yeah, it, there, there is no way that he would have been saying, hey, worship me. But there is saying, look to me, look to him as the example to free yourself and as the proof. The yeah. entire scriptures, all of the gospels are about um, instruction for you once you are in Christ everything that he went through you will go through your family will call you crazy and try to seize you um, they will um, they'll say that you have a demon just like they say you know you've seen I don't know whether you've seen the videos of them saying I've got a demon and that I'm the son of the devil and everything else right so all of these things mm -hmm. just to me are fulfillment of precisely what Yeshua said would happen he told he, he said this would happen so I, I really look at it and I, I get a lot from it <laughs> Right. Well, I, I did have a question um, about the resurrection because you, you told yeah. us that um, in the Gospels mm -hmm. to look at a lot of things spiritually. Yes. Right? So the mm -hmm. resurrection, talking to, to someone about this, what is um, resurrecting them from the dead spiritually because they, they were dead. They, they didn't know any truth. So my question is, in the resurrection in the end of days, is it... Is it um, spiritually and physically when people will actually be raised, raised enough from the dead? Or will they just be spiritually where, when everyone's going to see the truth? Again, many, many true answers to that, uh, to that question. Um, all of the statements about resurrection. Yes, you do die to yourself, and you are resurrected in Christ. So that's what picking up your cross and following him is about. And also being prepared that this world may actually kill you, which is what he spoke of when he was before he was leaving. He was saying, some of you are going to follow me. Basically, some of you will be killed and some of you won't. And who it is that, that is to be killed, you know, that's, that's essentially – that's in the Father's hands. And, um, and he, in fact, in some cases, basically in telling somebody, you need to follow me direct, directly – He's letting them know you need to go to the edge because that person might have had the proper personality that might have had the, um, the charisma to spread the message, basically saying don't be fearful of being killed because they're going to kill you because you're, you're that kind of person. You're not a person. You're not a support mechanism. So basically what he's saying is kind of like if, if I had 20 people that came to me and I was going to start an organization, I would start to gather everybody's um, skills and skill sets and what they like to do to try to put them in the right position. Well, he was saying to them, you're going to get killed. They're going to kill you because you're very boisterous. You're very, uh, you're flamboyant and you're charismatic in your speech. They're going to kill you before everybody else because you become a threat. So he's, he's um, explaining these things. So the resurrection is first is a, is a, um, is a death and a spiritual res resurrection. Now we have a population right now of almost 7.7 .7 billion people on this earth. That essentially, if you go and you begin counting um, from the beginning and you do the math of, of Cain and Abel, you're going to find that, that the population would represent almost every single person ever born. So as we come to this close of this age, every person that ever was here is here right now. So within people carrying these spirits with, within us, that just like John was Elijah, he said, 
if if you can if you can wrap your mind around it, he said, John is Elijah. So you can't remove that from the scripture and say, well, there's no such thing as, and I don't even like using the words because it immediately triggers the 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 double-edged sword spinning in both directions in people. But but for the lack of lack of a different word in the English language, which is um, designed for deceit, that um, that is reincarnation, so to speak. The Father doesn't waste them. And that's exactly what Yeshua said when he said, you know, the, the father is not the he's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. Right. So explaining that that they are always alive, that you don't die, that he is the God of the living. So everybody is here. So there is a resurrection right now. And that's spoken of in scripture. Dead bones will rise. They're here. Everyone is here right now. And. This is where I say you don't know who you are, and if the Father gives you that name of who you are and what's been established in you, you might have the the craft and the skill of a prophet. You might have the the spirit of someone that was important. You might have the spirit of somebody that was – you might have the spirit of the man that was on the cross next to Christ, the thief. That might be you. But everybody is here, and this is the two witnesses. This is what the two witnesses is about. It's the two witnesses of both sides of the equation. It's both the female, the masculine, and the feminine. It is Gog and Magog. It is Leviathan and Behemoth. It is all of the references within the scriptures at the depths that they are all here right now. And both will testify against everything that this world has done by that separation between the male and female. And they will judge this world. They will judge it with, this world, with their word by speaking these things. And so as this... As the Spirit of Christ rises up, the condemnation of these words, it's not – you don't have to point at somebody and say, you're evil. All you have to do is explain the truth, and their evil is, is highlighted instantly. And that's precisely when he said – when they asked why the, why the Pharisees and the Sadducees wanted to kill him. He said, because before me, they knew no sin. They thought they were perfect. And now that I've told them these truths, they want to kill themselves. They can't even hide their sin. Because literally everything that they are is sin, and they don't know how to get rid of it because they refuse to turn from that sin. They, they refuse to die to the world so they could be healed. So what we're witnessing right now, this is where everybody keeps looking to something in the future. We've been desensitized. We're waiting for a movie. We're waiting for it to be you know, to play out like a, like a feature film. And this is, this is the numbing of, our, numbing of our spiritual body. To me – being so awake, being so in tune with the Father, to, to me, I feel the presence and I see the war going on so vividly. I, I don't need a movie screen. I see the attacks on me. I see the attacks on other people. I feel – I literally feel your, your fears. So collectively, I begin to feel this, this consciousness of fears and, and your angst and your anxiety. This is why we – you know, like I was saying in the video, that this it's an uncomfortable thing when we all become so connected in this consciousness that I speak the things that you thought of last night collectively, and everyone marvels at it. But at the same time, it's kind of creepy for everyone because it's like, why are you in my room with me? You know, so it's it's this is a very difficult thing to come to terms with because the way that we've been taught about everything is about a desensitizing of your spirit, desensitizing of who you are, basically convincing you that you're just a, that that you're just this you're no different than than the wolf on the mountain. 
You're just like that wolf. That you're nobody different, and you're just a better version of it because you have a bigger brain, and you're here to serve this other god. You know, you're you're here to serve this world, and, and that's it's just not true. That who you are, that your flesh is the least of you and the most temporary. The mere fact that we make it the most important and that everyone is fighting to keep this flesh so permanent that they, they think they're fighting for eternal life of this flesh, you can have it. Who would want to be in this stuff for eternity? I can't wait to shed this skin. So, um, yes, there is multiple resurrections in the way that there's also multiple deaths. There's first the spiritual death, and then there is the physical death. The physical death being the one that matters not. That's why it says the second death will have no impact on them. Just like right now, the second death, somebody could come up and blow my head off right now. I'd be just as happy. It wouldn't make a, a bit of difference. I wouldn't bat an eye at it. I wouldn't blink. I wouldn't throw my hands up and go, please don't. I, I, I don't care. And it's not that I don't care about life. I, I'm here as long as the Father wants me here. And that is exemplified in, in precisely what Yeshua said to Pilate when he said, you know, um, aren't you going to speak to me when, they, when he was being held before he was crucified? He said, aren't you going to speak to me? Don't you know that I have the power to free you or to kill you? And he shut him down instantly and said, you have no power unless it was given by the Father. In other words, if you can kill me, it's because I'm supposed to die. And if I'm not supposed to die, then you, Mr. Weakling, because you don't know the Father, you can't do anything to kill me. If I'm not supposed to be dead, there's nothing that will, nothing that will take place that will make that happen. If I'm supposed to die, I will. So he removed the power even from the people that were put in those positions of power. So he was wiping them out. Just a beautiful thing. So um, I don't know whether I lost you there. Um, it looks like I may have lost you. So hopefully you got to hear the rest of that. Um, let's go to another caller. Let's see here. I've got um, Laura Houston. Laura Houston. I think that I'm reading yes. that correctly. Is this Laura? Hi, Laura. This is Laura. Hi. I have wanted to talk to you. First time I called in, okay. I didn't talk. Now I'm going to go ahead and, and say something. Uh, I'm letting go of the Did fear. You? Okay. So my, my scripture is John the Baptist testimony to Jesus, uh, 29, um, actually all the way through 34. So it says, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one of whom I said, A man is coming after me who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. I did Mm -hmm. not know him, but the reason why I came baptizing with water was that he might be made known to Israel. John testified further saying, I saw the Spirit come down like a dove from the sky and remain upon him. I did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, on whomever you see the Spirit come down and remain, he is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now mm-hmm. I have seen and testified that he is the Son of God. Mm-hmm. So, so obtaining, pres- yes, go, go, oh, sorry, no, 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 no go ahead and finish. So I was saying in, in that, pres- yes. no, no, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Going forward in present day uh, mm-hmm. and knowing that if you are truly in Christ consciousness, which going from, you know, very strong Christianity from from when I was born up until recent, um, just being more open to 
just a huge thirst for knowledge, just so much knowledge. I, I just can't seem to get enough knowledge. And part of it has to do with the, the things that I've been shown, like things in the sky and, and, and just instant manifestation of, of doves in front and so many things. And it, it can't just, it's too phenomenal and, and mind-blowing to think of it of anything else other than God the Father showing me, revealing these things to me. Yes, and so, so you're, you're speaking, oh, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, I'm speaking, if we took this exact text and we moved it to today, like as if, you know, how, how how does that represent in what's going on today? So the exact text, if you think about everything in the spiritual, because he's speaking about it, the the spirit, spiritual, the dove yeah. that de- yes, mm-hmm. the dove that descends upon him and remains upon him, right? That mm-hmm. that he's yeah. recognizing right away because he's so attached. This is this is where this is where the difficulty comes for every single one of us. So understand mm-hmm. that that John recognized that he had a role to play, that he was so attached to the world, just like many pastors are. I've spoken to many pastors that have, um, you know, my pastor that has such mm-hmm. an attachment to what he has taught, and it is that that he feels that the damage that he would do, that there, there are many people that are in Christ, that, that even though he's taught them, he didn't teach them these exact truths, but they found Christ on their own, that he right. would somehow risk even what they have, right? So, and that's also, but see, the amazing thing is, is that Yeshua speaks of this. Um, he, he speaks of that, that, you know, that those that will have will be taken, if you have a little, right, it, 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 there's a problem with that. So there's a risk for these pastors, and there was a risk for John being the guy that was running his entire community. And this is, this is also the reason why that there is not a lot of history that they allowed to be in about John. And there mm-hmm. is a huge amount to John that, 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 that is an entire show um, in two or three shows. So we'll have to get to that later, but – him being called Elijah is pretty significant. So um, right. Elijah also being a Hebrew prophet. So here's Elijah coming back with truth, essentially going, oh my gosh, what do I do with this? I could destroy my entire community, and not only that, I could put all of their lives at risk. He did not have it in him to do it. That's why he said that the one that comes after me, I'm not worthy of this because this guy is brave beyond recognition. Right, so he's saying that he is the one, and that he was told that if the spirit rests and remains on him, in other words, if he continues with this, if he is willing to go the length, if he's willing to go the distance, if he's willing to go to the grave for this, then that is the spirit resting on him, that he is not going to cease speaking these truths. Gotcha. Sorry, okay. I had to because... mute myself for a second. Yeah, because well, um, I mean, let's, uh, on Sunday, literally, um, I, I literally see a um, license plate that says JTV with some numbers. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it just everything—the uh, significance of John the Baptist. But whenever you think about seriously, when you go back and you look at all of the history that we have of documentation of 
all of these different people. Where's the true, where's the writings in the text of Jesus? Why, why is that not available to us? Why can't we find it? You mean his life? Not his life. I mean, his writings, his texts. I mean, I would assume. I mean, oh, he, yeah. He, yeah, you, yes, is there it? is there's plenty of that in the Nagamati. So there is um, that I wouldn't I wouldn't say, yes, go and read it because it's definitely his. But there is um, testimony and testaments of of Yeshua in the Nagamati text. Okay, and I don't know what sorry, Nagamati is. Sorry, I had to cough. Nagamati codices okay. is um, – the Nagamati codices are um, – are texts that were discovered around the same time as the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, which is amazing. That you know, even those that don't believe uh, don't believe in the Father at all, don't believe in any other form. That they're uh, generally scientists out there seeking the antiquities. They find it remarkable that in obtaining the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Nagamati right around the same time, that there seems to be, and the way that they came about that there seems to be a force at work to make sure that this information is known because it is all written that it will be known for all things uh, that are hidden will be revealed. Right. So it Mm -hmm. was, and there would have been more, unfortunately the young boy that found the Nagamati codices uh, before he realized what they were, um, he used half of them for firewood. Um, Mm. So there's, there's quite a bit, there's quite a bit yeah, there's quite a bit that right. went up in flames, uh, but yes, there gotcha. is quite a bit, quite a bit of text. But but what you also have to understand is, and and here's a very good question is um, that the historian uh, Josephus in the Antiquities of Jews writes about John the Baptist. All of the historical writings of that time, all of those historical writings are available, but yet none of them speak of Jesus or Yeshua. None of them, and it's um, it was. Clearly, that it was that was by design that they had right away, just like I had described, and you can read very clearly in the book of John where Caiaphas was basically saying, we're going to design, we're going to use the death of this man. He's big enough and he's profound enough, and the things that he's spoken of is so true because they knew the truth. Understand, just like mm-hmm. when you speak to the powers that be in this world and you talk about Luciferianism and everything, they'll smile at you that they'll ignore it, but they know exactly what you're talking about. They just deny it, but they live it. That This is the secret. This is what the whole secret societies are about. They're not even allowed to speak it. Otherwise, they'll be killed too. And when someone does go against these, particularly in a powerful position, they're, they're killed as, a, as an example and held up as an example, just like JFK saying that he was going to expose all these secret societies and the Luciferianism within, within the uh, structure of government that was so prevalent and driving everything, and he was dead you know, a few days later. So I don't know whether you've ever heard that speech of his, but if, uh, uh, if any yeah. of you are ever interested, yeah, just search for uh, the speech that got JFK killed, and, and it becomes quite obvious why they killed him. So, right. uh, But – these truths in the same way that they had built this religion, that Caiaphas had built this religion. And remember the one that, the one that came, the, the guard that came to arrest uh, Yeshua in the garden, and Peter cut off his ear. And it says it very explicitly, first of all, it says that he cut off his right ear, which um, any words that are used are very important. So somebody doesn't just say, oh, he cut off his right ear. I could talk to you for an hour on why the right why ear is right important. Ear. Mm-hmm. 
everything. Right, and why they put that in everything is important. You cannot compress all of the time and the meanings into something without every single word being meaningful. That's why I say when you read when you read Paul's writings and he refers to Jesus Christ one time and then refers to it as Christ Jesus the next time, and you ask a pastor, what does that mean? He goes, oh, well, it's just interchangeable. No, it isn't. There's a meaning to it. What do you think? These people are just idiots, right? This is, you know, you, you make it so lazy. You say it's the word of God, but yet, you know, God has slang now. It's crazy, you know, that, that they, they diminish everything when necessary, and they exalt it when necessary. So it's truly, truly disheartening that, that people don't see that. Um, it, it, there is so much that can be spoken of uh, in this, but yes, the spiritual aspect, as far as the, the Spirit of the Father um, resting and remaining on him, that is when, because he became Christ at that point. That's exactly mm-hmm. what he meant, and that came after, right after being tempted. All of these things, and remember the temptation that the enemy gives Christ. The 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 words. Pay attention to those words. That the very first thing, and really the most important temptation of the whole thing, has nothing to do with bread because he was hungry, and has nothing to do with power. The beginning of the statement is far more of a temptation to cause doubt within him when he says every single time. If you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, every time he begins with that. So he wants mm-hmm. to cause doubt in him because he's the first one saying, I'm a Son of God, and all of you are a Son of God. And so he's been, hey, if you are, then here's the scripture, and it says that you can throw yourself down, and the angels won't you know, uh, won't let your heel be dashed. They'll come and whisk you up and that you can turn these, this spread into, into rocks. And that's why he's like, get away from me. You're, you're a snake. The minute that he said, if you're the son of God, it wouldn't matter what came after that. He immediately discounted everything he said. He was like, whatever, get away from me. I know who I am. That's why he, he would respond. I am who I am. I am. That's it. And, and that's why your response is, who are you? I am who I am. Because you don't determine that. That was determined before the foundation of this world. Who you are is who you were made. That isn't an incorrect answer. And you answer. And if you and if you said that in a church, they would call you and say that you were blasphemy. It's it's ridiculous. When it's exactly what the scripture says. It's exactly what you know. They'll tell you that you're. They'll call you, um, uh, you know, a heretic and say that you're blaspheming, even though Yeshua himself says it says that you are all sons of God. So it, it's, you can't ever, you know, when he reveals these truths to you, it just, it truly is the scroll of John where you eat it. And it's so sweet to know these truths at first, but then it just makes you nauseous because you see the destruction of what it is. And that becomes so prevalent in your mind. And now you can see it everywhere. So I appreciate your, uh, I appreciate your call, Laura. I really do. Thank you. Likewise. All right. All right. So, um, Let's go to uh, – let me see. So I'll just say hi to Joshua who's just listening. Hi, Joshua. We have Corey in uh, Wisconsin. Corey in Wisconsin, hi. I'm correct in reading that? Yes, yes, that's correct. Corey in Janesville, Wisconsin. I have a quick question. I've been listening for a little bit. Uh, getting away from this system, like – it's kind of like overwhelming. I just came to these truths uh, through you and just through reading, and you kind of like verified it. 
how in the world are we supposed to live here with this monetary system, seeing that it is of the B system? Like, I'm about ready to just head where it's warm and just walk in a straight line. I, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, well, it's just nuts. And I don't even care about anything here. I run a mechanic shop, and I just, it's just, it, it means nothing. I, I don't even know. It, it, it's, I don't know if you're supposed to walk away or how are we supposed to live with this monetary system? It's, you know, it's and crazy this is, if you could answer that. No, I, I, I absolutely love the question because I've, I'm asked that a lot, obviously. And you, if you read in the comments on the videos, um, now I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that it's not, you know, when someone comes to me for an answer, I'm going to always refer to the scriptures and say, all of the answers are there, but the specifics of it are going to be given to you by the father. So the, the closer you are, so you're first going, you know, I'm not even going to attempt. I'm going to abandon myself to such a degree that I'm not even going to attempt to answer my own questions. I'm going to let them be answered for me by the Father. And that's, that's truly the surrender. So I'm going to tell you that for your individual circumstances, I couldn't say, yeah, leave your, leave your store. I can tell you if I were there, I would the store, right? That's what I would do, but that's not for you. Right. For everybody has a different purpose. Everybody is part of the body. Your your store and what you do may serve that. The difference is, is how you do that business and what you're doing with that business and and what is it serving now. So, yeah, it's almost almost like I want to do it through just bartering and just helping people out. If I had I would just do it for free, just fix people's vehicles for free just to help them out to get them what they want to do. It's. It's just kind of hard sometimes when when they hand me the money I don't even want to take it. It's, uh, well, it's I'm going to give you a great. I uh, no no you know Corey I absolutely love this and and I promise you that um, if you pray about the things that I'm about to tell you right now, Father's going to give you something to um, to have a greater understanding of that because I love your heart. That is exactly where it needs to be, and now that yeah, speaking that just, that's where. I, let me let me let me bad. help you out. It feels bad. Yeah. I I fully understand it. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna tell you a story about a woman that um she had a restaurant and uh she she made her own food, uh she grew her own crops, everything she made and the quality of her food is just phenomenal. And you know, it's non GMO and she's just a uh an amazing chef and just a, a wonderful uh a wonderful host. And everybody loved her, but she was finding with the taxes because she was farming and selling it. So with all of the taxes and the burden of everything that was being put on her, she could never, she could no longer make it work. She, she said to me, she goes, I just need your advice on business. I know that you're a business guy. She wasn't speaking to me scripturally or spiritually at all, but I knew that she was, you know, that she loved the Lord. So I, I, I said to her, I said, what, you know, what specifically is the problem? And she said, I can't charge people $25 a plate. It's because who's going to pay for it, but in order for me to keep this quality up and the taxes and the burdens that they're putting on me that I actually have to sell some of my crops into the system and all of these things. So she's describing to me the beef system infiltrating and making it more difficult for her to have a natural business rather than yes. rather than one that isn't on their system. So um, that that she wasn't allowed to do certain things. So I basically said, I go, now, hear me out. That your business, as long as you are abiding by their rules, you are subscribing to their system, that you are on their tax system, so you agree to their taxation. You are filing taxes as your business. You are their corporation. I said dissolve your corporation. 
dissolve it. Don't even have a corporation. You're no longer a business. You are a church. Because a church, they, and not a 501c3 nonprofit, that's yeah. part of their system again, taxation. But literally a church where you have um, three or more members, you have a belief system, you have a statement of faith in that, that belief system, and you meet four times a year. That's the requirement to be a church, and they can't do anything with you, can't do anything against you. They can't audit you. They can't do anything. That's how the Federal Reserve stays away from everything because the Federal Reserve is a church. It's a private bank that has owners, but they are literally yeah. a church. They meet four times a year. Their statement of faith is printed right on the money. It's called In God We Trust. They make no bones yeah. about it. When they say that when the, when the Federal Reserve chairman talks about his work, he says, I'm doing the work of God, right? And everybody thinks, oh, he's doing the work of God. We're a Christian country. It's like, are you kidding me? Do you not see yeah. through these smoke screens? Just, yeah, so, I just – everywhere I look, it's just nonstop all day long. It's, I, I don't know. I, I'm trying to find new friends and stuff because it's, 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 really, uh, it's really crazy changing. Uh, it, but then sometimes when I'm by myself, it's – it's worth it because then I can go out and there's a lot of people out there that are that are just aware. Like you'll just meet them out of nowhere, and it's just like you get yeah. it. Holy cow, you get it, and it's just yeah. You they, well, they're brought to you. Well, let me finish with yeah. this because this is going to help you. Um, I, I further I, I told her I said um, the whole thing about sin. What sin is is debt, right? And for for you to not know what the what the meal is worth, the meal, the value in the meal is in whoever received it. So for you to even put value on the meal, to me, and I knew her food, I said, to me, I would pay $50 for the plate because your meal is that good. right? It's that good, and I know that just yeah. the, the comfort of knowing that it doesn't have anything in it, that you grew it, and that it was made with your hands, and that all of that love is established in that food, it means that much to me. I would give you whatever I could. And I said, so stop charging. Everything is donation. Now, this is where you rely and you have faith on the consciousness of mankind in general because yeah. in general, all of us have that. And you say, I'm not going to charge you. I'm not going to tell you what that is. That's if you crazy. want to look, you, you can that, look and find out what – It's like it's already but, answered. Yes, you it's, give that, me – That's exactly what, what I had in mind. <laughs> yes, see? So you give me where the value is to you. Because that's – I'm not going to put the value because it's yours. And now here's the amazing thing. She had a business that could only sustain so many people within the, within the restaurant, and people would stand outside. right? There would be 10 or 12 people that would stand outside and wait, but never more than that. They would just end up going someplace else. But then after she made these changes, not only was she getting sometimes as high as $200 a plate, but she would have a line of 50 people, and they would never leave. Wow. Everything changed about it. So she couldn't yeah. – and she boggled her mind. And I'm working with somebody right now <laughs> on a business that they have that is, that is selling music online. Okay, This is a very big company, yeah. and, uh, and we're going to be discussing a new business model. And that business model is about not buying music but giving it to somebody. So I don't buy a song. I – I give somebody a song, and somebody else that bought one for somebody else, I get the song that they bought. So you remove the equation of the enemy in all business oh. models, in every way, shape, or form. You defy him and wipe his silly system out by defying everything that he says is true, and you'll find that everything gets bigger 
gets more powerful and is in more tune, and you you will no longer and somebody might some shyster might come up and give you less, right? And that's okay. That's okay. I can expect that. Is it? Yeah, the next guy won't. You. Yeah. That's where I, faith comes yeah. in. That's why this is a narrow gate, Corey. That's why this is yeah, a narrow I, gate because it requires faith to get this done. Oh, this is how my shop uh, basically got here. I just knew it would always happen. I've been searching my entire life, like nonstop. I've been through the military, and I got out after 9-11. I found out all that sham, and it was just mental. But, yeah, it's I've been searching, and everything that's in my shop has been donated or given, and it was like I needed it, and it just was right around the corner for, like, an eighth of a price, and I wasn't expecting. I just knew it was going to come, and that's how I've been living for quite a while now. But it's just the whole monetary thing is. Uh, it's kind of that was my question, basically, and you answered it uh, quite well. Awesome. I really appreciate awesome. it, and I appreciate your work. Oh, thank you very much. I really appreciate you. I appreciate you calling in, and and um, I, I I love your heart. I'm just I just that just makes me so happy yeah. to hear, We're out to hear here. how you feel. We're out here. Shows We're out here, man. Uh, uh, I appreciate that so much. Thank you for telling me. Love you very much. Yeah. And, uh, I love you so uh, much, we'll... brother. Uh, I do, too. I love you. I'll speak to you soon, okay? All right. All right. So let's go to uh, – geez, I love – I just love those uh, – I just – I can't even tell you what it does to me to hear someone that, that the consciousness itself becomes so connected and the very words that he's saying, the very thinking, because you, you begin to understand the law of the father and the law of the father becomes very simple to understand. It, it, it's just, you don't take more than you need. You don't, you, you let him, you rely on him just as he says, it, it's just beautiful to me. So uh, let's go to uh, Deanna in Washington, Deanna in Washington, you want to discuss John one one, correct? Correct. Good. So I have a question right now. So in this world, everything is corrupted and inversed, and we use words, verbal words for almost everything, um, values, names, identities, everything by words. Um, but words are corrupt here. And we are divine, eternal, spiritual, elemental beings that don't need verbal words to communicate. So what is the truth about the use of the voice and the word outside of this world? What is the truth of the voice and the word outside of this world? Correct. When That's it's a not really big question. I suspect as much. Um, the Recently. the truth outside of this world is basically the same as what I'm speaking. That this physical manifestation, the the physical manifestation is what you're witnessing and what you see in this world, is a physical manifestation of the spiritual. So not to get into a whole lot of physics because that's a that's a, a different show and a different channel, right? I, I'm I'm always happy to have a, a physics conversation. Um, it just gets so in the weeds for many people because physics itself is uh, quantum physics is um, is difficult to wrap your mind around if you're not prepared for it. So, but the 
this has become a physical manifestation, just like I was saying that the temple, when Yeshua said, you see all of this, not one stone will not be thrown down. So knowing that that what he was going to say was going to destroy that temple, not that he was going to physically do it, but that it would come down as a result of changing the consciousness of the people, that they would tear it down because it was no longer part of their consciousness. Just like when you know a building doesn't become useful to you, they tear it down. Well, when it no longer is useful and no longer coincides with who you who you are in your consciousness, who you are in your mind, well, it's not going to exist anymore. So outside of this, we won't have this physical manifestation of those things, that everything is in the spiritual, and everything is void of the enemy. This is the only place that you're going to have that. So um, that if you are... Let's say an angel that came here. Imagine how difficult it would be for an angel to come to be here, to be present, to know all of this truth, to know everything, to know all of the goodness. The demonic activity and the evil of this world would be like flying into a sewer. This place is that bad. It's pretty gross, right? And it's, it's, that's not to say that we don't find beauty, but where we find beauty is in ourselves. Where we find beauty is in the absence of man. Because mankind is the only one that sins here. We are the only ones that sin. Sin being, as I said, and if anybody hasn't heard it, I'll repeat it because it's, it's important, <laughs> that the tree doesn't sin, right? The grass doesn't sin. The animals don't sin. They live without sin. Because sin is self, beyond self. And what that means is you're given the things, just like the Father says, that I will take care of you. I'll give you everything that you need, right? So I'll give you everything that you need for the time that you're, that you're intended to be here. That's why he says, I, I, do I not provide for the sparrows, right? Are you not more valuable than the sparrow, right? Seriously. <laughs> so he's, right. It, it's, it's a frustrating point. That means he's like, what? I'll provide for you. Just stop trying to provide for yourself stop accepting this this thing from the enemy where he says he'll provide for you do you see how abandoning that immediately you can understand that he became god because he provides for you and that's and now you're within his system and you're going to do exactly what he wants and you're going to school and learn exactly what he wants and be fruitful and multiply because i need lots of slaves that's not mm-hmm. to say that we don't love our children but there's a very different motive in that statement right mm-hmm. that, it, that's, there's a very different motive than that. Be fruitful and multiply. That's wonderful. But, but to, to what extent? Right. So the, the tree does not sin. The tree, although it's bigger, it has more power. It doesn't suck all the nutrients out of the soil and store it up in its branches and starve out the grass and the other bushes and the trees next to it. It takes only what it needs. And underneath mm-hmm. the soil where you can't see, its roots become entangled with the rest of them. And they don't say, get out of my way. And they don't strangle the other plant. You know, some will, some will take over plants that are in different domains that have where we've introduced plants that shouldn't be together. This is where we have violated things. You know, because our arrogance, mankind, we're, we're going we're gonna to think that we're going to get involved in the environment, right? We're, we're going to fix the, that salmon run. All we do is destroy things. Right, so I live all in we a do is rainforest playing around. I understand how the trees all hang together because we can lose a whole shelf of land with one wrong tree fall. We've eaten off a bunch of our coastline trying to put in a quote jetty. So yeah, we don't shouldn't be messing around with that stuff. No, we we shouldn't be touching it. 
it is connected. You go out and you talk to the shamans. You 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 sit in a in a massive in a massive valley of of sage, and they'll tell you. You can say, "Oh, look at that sage sagebrush, right? So look at that brush right there," and they'll immediately jump down your throat and and look at you like you're crazy because you don't recognize it as all being one big bush. He's like, "What are you talking about? This is all one big entity." Right? Yeah, they, they automatically to me, but we say them to other people. <laughs> yes. So, so again, that's the being without sin. So, and all we do, we're the only ones that violate that, right? Not even the squirrel that stores up nuts, right? The squirrel gathers nuts and stores them up. Doesn't store up any more than what he needs for the winter. The bear doesn't store up. He doesn't eat 20, 20 times his weight. He builds up his weight so he can go and hibernate for the winter. Right, he doesn't store up a bunch of a bunch of meat that's going to rot in his refrigerator. It, that doesn't happen. Only we do that. The self is the sickness that we have, and so that's the manifestation of the enemy here on this planet. That is what be, what you become, what becomes so evident to you when you uh, when you recognize that it just it begins to nauseate you, and all you want to do is live independently, and you want to live without sin because you can. Once you understand how simple God's law is, you can live without sin. When somebody says, no, you can't live without sin, well, I'm born into this flesh, so I'm continuously going to be tempted. But I can be free of it. That's why, otherwise, if you couldn't be free of sin, Yeshua wouldn't have told you, go and sin no more. He would have said, go and sin as little as possible. Right? He didn't say that. He said, go and (laughs) sin no more. Right, so he said, okay. "You must be perfect, even as the Father is perfect. You can be. You can be in Him. All of these things that He said you can do somehow get denied by those that are in the church telling you you can't do it. You can't be Christ. What are you talking about? He said I have to be. He prayed that I would be. What are you talking about? I can't. So, <laughs> right. All right, Anna. Well, I appreciate your call. All right. Thank you. Thank you. So let's go to uh, – let's see who we have. I see – I do not see a name. I just see Seattle, Washington. Seattle, Washington. I see numbers 1111111. Are you the one from Seattle, Washington? Can you hear me? Hello? I guess not. Okay, so I'm going to go to Chuck in Arizona. You are of the father, the devil. So is that a comment about me being of the father, the devil? (laughs) No, not at all. (laughs) It would would surprise me. I mean, plenty of people have called me the devil. So I was like, oh, whatever. Let's hear what they have to say. Oh, no, no, man, that, that made me laugh. Oh, no, actually, Derek, I, I just, uh, I just really enjoying this program tonight. There's some awesome uh, questions and your comments. And uh, can I just ask you something that's not related to my question, real quick? Because you mentioned no, something not at all. about the one. <laughs> you you mentioned something about the one, 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 one. You know, yeah. I, I, I wanted to ask you, what is the significance of seeing? 11, 11, 33, 33, 22, 22. I am seeing that all the time. And I'm just like, what does that mean? And I, I, I'm learning a lot of things about it, but I just want to get your take on that. What, what, what do you think about that? Well, um, 
there is, you know, you can look at, uh, and this is again where I've always said, and and it it drives me crazy that um, that people will immediately, if you bring it up to them and you say numerology or something like that, everything is in numbers. If in a world where you're in the enemy's grid, you're in the enemy's matrix behind this web, um, you're going to be contacted in lots of ways. I can tell you that I would not have found some of the things that I've found, some of the understandings without following those numbers, without paying very close attention to it, that it became, for me, was 9-11, became so prevalent. I couldn't, I saw 9-11, if I glanced, I, I, I almost, I'd feel like I have this urge, I go, what time is it, what time is it? And I'd be looking around and I'd look and the clock would say 9-11, didn't matter what happened, right? And then there'd be a car stopped in front of me and the license plate would be 9-11 and then my initials. And that it didn't matter where, uh, if, if I was driving and glanced up at the clock on the tower in Seattle, it said 9-11. So I basically began paying close attention to when that was coming up, not just going, oh, that's strange. What I would do is I would, what was I thinking before I saw it? What was I hearing? Who, who did I just speak to? What did I just say to that person when I saw the numbers? And if you if you do a search, you'll find you know some um, numerology meanings behind it, where primarily they'll tell you it's angelic numbers that these are your your keepers, the watchmen, the the angels, so to speak, speaking to you to try to lead you. Now I'm not going to discount any of that because the things that I've seen, and I haven't even spoken of many of the things uh, from my testimony standpoint, and I will eventually when, when the time is appropriate, I, I've just, Father really puts on my heart that I will, that it's coming. But I can tell you that I've seen and had people manifest themselves to me that were not, they might have looked like they're from here, but they weren't. And so um, it was, and it was proven to me. So I have no question in my mind just like Scripture says that you should um, uh, pay attention that you may be entertaining angels unawares. So yeah. it happens. And so I would follow those numbers. Okay. I, you know, I, I'm just trying to uh, – it's almost like I'm uh, drinking from a fire hose of late. But, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, get my feet and get my, my – uh, my spiritual senses about me, uh, you know, and anyway, you know, I, but the number thing has just been, been constant and I, I just, I didn't know what to make of it and, and I'll just leave it at that right now. Um, but my, my question was about the gospel of John. I, I just, I just love this, this gospel. It, it's just, uh, really helps me a lot. And, and since I've been, uh, listening to you and, 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 uh, just it, it almost like things have almost like just popped out in 3D to me. It's it's just phenomenal. But but uh, one of the things I was reading was in uh, John 8 where you know he was going toe to toe with Pharisees and um, they just couldn't figure it out. You know they just kept saying you know you're you're a madman. You've got demons and, and all this stuff. And then he he said to them, you know if you knew if you if God were your they said we have Abraham. Okay, they said, Abraham's our father. And then he says, well, if, if God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. 
And then he goes on and says, uh, you are, in verse 44, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer mm-hmm. from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. And so then he, after he says that, he says a little bit more. And then in verse 56, he says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. So it's almost mm-hmm. like there's a contradiction there. He's calling at one on one moment, he's calling them, you know, uh, their father, the devil. And then at the same time, he's saying your father, Abraham. And I was really kind of praying about that and just kind of wondering what that really meant. But I, I just haven't really seemed to to get a hold of that yet. Yes. Yeah, so let, let me let me help you understand that is that um, Abraham saw his day. So even if you if you've met the enemy, you've met the father, too. Right. So in other words, the enemy's job is to bring the cross to you. And so you're not going to you're not going to go through the father. That's what the story of Job is about. When the father sends Satan to wipe Job out. So when you see Satan and he's wiping you out, uh, the very next conversation you're going to be having is with father. There's no question about that. Like that's what takes place because that's the refinement by fire. And you can see that story being told in all creative works, that refinement to fire, being wiped out, being humbled, being humiliated, having nothing, and then being awakened to this truth, this new truth. It's kind of like uh, Luke Skywalker, um, the, the duality of it, right? He goes and he gets to Darth Vader, the dark evil guy, and he pulls the helmet off, and inside the dark evil guy is this gentle, sweet old man who's literally his dad, so it, it, it's that's the duality of of that of the this aspect. But understand that um, when he's speaking of Abraham, so I'm I'm reading this. Uh, he says uh, in verse 44, "You are uh, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires." He was a murderer from the beginning, and he has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, his attributes, just like I've talked about. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So in that, they're saying he's, uh, he's saying that Abraham knew his day, that Abraham was a good man. But they have taken Abraham just like the father of lies. They have accepted these lies, and they have turned Abraham not into this, not into uh, necessarily a prophet, but they're like our father is Abraham, and he's letting them know you don't even know God because you don't even understand that your father is who you serve in this realm. Your father isn't that physical guy, so he's already um, destroying. Father is this father of lies, and he's a murderer, and you want to murder me. Because that, that's what your father wants to do. You are spirit. Your physical manifestation of flesh is nothing. Who you are inside is bigger. And they wanted to pretend that they were very religious and they knew God. But he was pointing out that they they failed to even acknowledge that Father God was their God or even Satan was their God that they were acknowledging that their father was Abraham, that that's where they yielded from, which is why all of their laws yielded from man, which is why all of their laws 
um, that imposed the, the slavery on mankind at that time had become the laws of man. In fact, that's why that's why they spoke of this, and that they didn't even understand their own. That when they said Abraham is dead, and then that's when Abraham and and uh, Jacob and they were talking of the dead, and he said, "Father is not not a father. He is not God." God of the dead, but God of the living. So letting them know right away, you guys don't know anything about your own scriptures. He was beating them up with their own scriptures in the same way that we are doing with people that believe they know scriptures today. The testimony of Yeshua, according to Revelation, is the spirit of prophecy. We are living in that day of prophecy. Literally, we are living in the day that, that you're seeing it manifest before your very eyes right now. This is a really important time, and because you're here right now, in this world, that's why I tell everybody, I say, You're, you, do you know how blessed you are to be here right now and to be witnessing this firsthand, not previous lives, not previous spirits, but literally the firsthand to be witnessing this right now? What an amazing thing. Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. Um, oh, sorry, you got cut off there for a second, Chuck. No, that's okay. That's okay. I, um, yeah, I, you were, I, I was having a, a rough time hearing you too with my connection. I guess it was bad, but um, yeah, Jesus, I, uh, Yeshua, he even said, uh, you know, kind of paraphrasing, but uh, you know, many many people before you wish that they could see this day, and and you're right. I mean, it's it's really kind of hard to fathom sometimes that we're actually in this time. I mean, it's. It's an amazing thing, and to actually uh, be awake to it is just a phenomenal thing as well. And um, I just, I just want to thank you, just even for you know taking the time and and explaining that to me. I, I do appreciate that. Of course, of course, I, I appreciate you calling, and um, just yeah, to just to reinforce what you just said, uh, it is, and for you to bring that up, yes, that that people have wished that they were a part of this and now here we are that it says that you know for my people were strived for lack of knowledge but it also speaks of this time that for knowledge will increase and so these are specific people in different ways so the people were destroyed for lack of knowledge because they didn't have the true knowledge they didn't have the true wisdom they had man's idea of what was wisdom which is why where i said paul was very smart even though paul was was uh had his own agenda and and i'm going to do an entire two hours on just paul because i've got a lot to say about paul um many spiritual truths in paul's writings but he spoke of this that um in understanding this because obviously the enemy is is very cunning and he was given a lot of wisdom and a lot of knowledge from also the teachings that he was confiscating from from those that he was killing but he said um for the um for the foolishness of god will bring low the wisdom of man and so where they think that they're so smart, right, it's uh, to give you just kind of a, a, an example of what I mean by that is that our, our learned understanding of things as we think that is intelligent. So let's say that, you know, you went and you were running for president and you know the truth about the indigenous people here and you knew that they had ancient Hebrew and you had that in your pocket and you had that evidence and that truth. You could stand up. Um, on a debate forum with with the brightest minds, so to speak, or the the political minds. You could have Trump on one side and Hillary on the other side, and you could ask them both, so who discovered America? And both of them in unison would agree that it was Christopher Columbus. And then you would take their wisdom and wipe the floor with them, with the truth. 
absolutely decimate them. And that time is coming when these that believe they know these truths because it's so – it is so part of their fabric now that they live these lies that when their truth, when the truth shatters the lies that they thought were the foundation of who they were, they rested in these lies that they won't even know how to respond. And that's where you read in scripture that when somebody was wiped out, that you know the the um, the king proclaimed himself God and then was completely wiped out. And threw himself on the floor and was eaten and killed, by, eaten by worms. That's because he was eating himself to pieces, right? This wasn't this wasn't a manifestation of worms eating this guy. So everything within within uh, the scripture is allegory when it comes to this, because there's no other way to explain it. But if you wipe somebody's mental capacity out with, you tear down the foundation to such a degree that they have stood on, they are so arrogant in their knowing it, and then you come to them with a truth that so defies everything. It's not that you just destroyed that one truth, but in destroying that Christopher Columbus discovered America and revealing that truth, all of a sudden, everything that you began to think about America begins to crumble, and it's like watching – you know, it's like watching uh, their buildings being being destroyed and watching it collapse floor by floor by floor. In their mind, all of a sudden, everything begins to collapse. And that's precisely why the Pharisees and the Sadducees wanted to kill Yeshua because he was wiping them out. And that's why he said, before me, they knew no sin. Now they have no cloak. They can't hide their ignorance. Yeah. And they were yeah, the best yeah. of the best before me. You know, what's even amazing about that, too, uh, in, in John, is that when Jesus, when he raised Lazarus, uh, mm-hmm. he, he, they wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill Lazarus because yes. people were believing. And, you of know, course, just no, they were believing. Him. Yeah, they were believing Lazarus because of who Lazarus was. See, because Lazarus, this is what I mean, but Lazarus knew Yeshua. Because he was the family of Martha and Mary, so he was very intimately familiar and most likely a follower of Yeshua. Now, Yeshua was off teaching, so he had left, and so Lazarus fell out. And remember that Mary and Martha were the ones, according to Scripture, that funded the ministry. They were not poor. Remember that Mary was wasting what would have been tantamount to a $25,000 bottle of pepernard on anointing Yeshua. So we're talking a very wealthy family that was supporting the ministry of Yeshua. And Lazarus was very influential amongst the Jews. And so when you have money, when you are a power player, um, you influence people just like today, right? You could sit up there. Uh, I listen to, uh, I quite honestly, I don't get it, but um, I've known uh, Elon Musk since before PayPal, right? So I knew him as a young entrepreneur. I knew him as, you know, a feisty guy, smart. Never once would I have put that guy on a pedestal and tell you he's the genius that people say he is. And quite honestly, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a, a thoughtful thinker. He is an intellectual thinker, but by no means is this man um, a, a, a intellectual deity, I've sat with him many times. I've had conversations with him many times. Many of these people, I've sat in a room with with Bill Gates. I've sat the, the there is not. We have exalted these people. 
We have placed them on these thrones. We have done these things. But you can wipe their thinking out. I actually like Elon Musk's statements about what he's saying that very much that we're, you know, that we could be very much in a simulation right now. So accidentally he's he's tiptoeing on truthful ground, right? Because he's starting to discover the enemy, which is precisely what what CERN has done too. So those people, some of them are obviously they're Shiva the Destroyer, and CERN is quite the um, is quite the tool of the enemy. But in order for them to to advance to the degree that they are, they've had to become very acquainted with the enemy. And so all of these um, all of these people, like Elon Musk, also become tools of the enemy. It'll be somebody like Elon Musk that stands up and tells you that this mark, this chip is definitely something that you must have, right? He's going to be, he's going to be the type of person that supports it. And so they will, um, they will exalt these people and you can see them built, be uh, built up. But the one that is built up and told that is wonderful by the world, remember that if man exalts it, I despise it, the father says. That means also the inverse of that is also true when it comes to the father, that if man despises it, father probably loves it a lot. So if we're saying that something is bad, you need to completely rethink why that would be bad. It's, um, uh, it's kind of like you think about that our pharmaceutical industry will tell you that it's a wonderful drug, that they got this great drug, you know, that, that will stop the, you know, stop gout in your foot or uh, forget about even gout that your toenails are yellow so here's this drug and your toenails will no longer be yellow and the side effects of it are you might have suicidal and homicidal tendencies but yet that person from that drug goes out and actually kills somebody and they'll put him in prison calling him a madman and the drug company sits over there and smiles and at the same time they'll point at a plant growing out of the ground They'll point at a mushroom or they'll point at marijuana and they'll call that evil. Yet marijuana can't kill you and neither can mushrooms. You could eat a thousand pounds of marijuana. You could smoke a thousand pounds of it and would never die. You cannot overdose from it. But yet you can drink too much water and die. So it's, it's things like this that defy that defy logical thinking. And this is the point is that we have become a generation where we don't have any logic anymore. We don't think for ourselves. We think based on what we've been told to think. We have been become a programmed people, so programmed that now a computer can emulate you. AI is only a threat. Artificial intelligence, that they could take – you've got Sophia the robot, which is – which is marveling people at how intellectual it is. She's an idiot. There is no intellect in that robot. The mere fact that she can even reflect man shows you just how programmed man has become, that they've been reduced down to such a degree that they have so little independent thought and so little logic within how they respond to things that a computer can now emulate how they think. The very essence of who we are has nothing to do with one plus one it has to do with that we see beyond one plus one we see that one plus one doesn't equal two we see that one plus one equals one we can see things in a spiritual sense a computer can't it can only see things it can only equate what a man is when we have completely lost touch with who we truly are and this is the perfect indication the perfect indicator that we are in deep deep trouble on this planet 
as a species, as who we are, that people are that disconnected from the spirit of the Father, that, that this robot can now emulate who they are. That Sophia could never even remotely begin to reflect who I am, not even for a second. But I know millions of people that she is just like, and that's the sad state. Well, well, brother, I appreciate you. I I, uh, I really do, and uh, I'm going to get off now so someone else can get on. But uh, I'm praying for you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate you, Chuck. Thanks for calling. Let's go to uh, – hold on one second here. I want to check the uh, the chat, see if anybody had any questions on here. See, I can't really um, – the thing about radio is reading chat. I almost have to have somebody else – because I don't want to – I always want to pay very close attention to what you're saying, and I never want to uh, to not hear it. I pay very close attention to what you're saying, and so I apologize I don't get to more questions or comments in the chat section. But uh, the uh, otherwise, I'm just going to sit here and be quiet for 10 minutes while I read your, read your text. So um, let me uh, go to another caller, I believe. It looks like we have um, – uh, Natalie in Arizona. Hello. Natalie. Hi, how are you? Hi. And how are you doing? Good. We we don't have a whole lot of time and and I tend to answer things lengthy because it's what's required, but Right. So um so you have a question. Um, what would Christ's walk look like today? Um here, let me, let me phrase it the way I had it written down, but before I do this, I just want to apologize. This is the Natalie that called the last radio show, and I did not mute my microphone, and I feel so ashamed of that, and I hope that it didn't <laughs> oh. disrupt the message, and, you know, I, I feel really bad, so I want to apologize oh, no, to everybody no. for that. Oh, that's um, <laughs> I learned my lesson, that's for sure. Um, so the question I said was, if you could lay out a map of what leads to the ultimate towards salvation, um, the eternal life with the Father, what does that look like? Um, how should a person behave, and what does the narrow way entail? Well, that's a much longer question, <laughs> but I can, I can give you I can give you an example. You know, um. Uh, again, I'm always going to point you back to Scripture. So, mm-hmm. and in the words of Yeshua, you know, when he when he discusses and he tells you, you know, he's talking about John. Hey, John never didn't come eating and drinking. In other words, John wasn't out there eating, um, you know, eating foods that they said weren't uh, that they weren't that weren't blessed, so to speak. Right? He wasn't eating those foods, and he wasn't drinking any wine, and he wasn't he wasn't having a good time. He wasn't. He was very uptight. And he said, and they basically called him the devil because John was very, very strict. And he says, and here the Son of Man comes eating and drinking. So he's admitting that he's enjoying himself. Like he's so immediately you're getting the sense that um, that what they believe would be sinful, he's already defying those things, right? And so this is where somebody comes to me and they go, oh, I'm sinning so bad because I'm, uh, you know, I'm still. Um, I'm still smoking weed or I'm still do- I'm like, you know, this is where you're holding yourself that the, the enemy is the great accuser. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and smoke weed and I'm not telling you to go out and do drugs because the enemy will use that. But there's a reason why the shamans 
have ayahuasca to penetrate this this nasty matrix of evil. This is why they have uh, peyote, but they know how to use it. They know what to avoid. They know how to protect themselves against demonic entities. They've they've got the experience, and they're not doing it to party. They're doing it to expand what they know, to ask the questions that they're limited to within themselves and understanding because they're stuck in this flesh body that they need to be able to um, to access a higher consciousness within themselves. They literally got to hack their, their selves. You have to hack yourself sometimes in order to be able to, to understand that consciousness. And that's what the Father does when he wipes you out, that he's hacking you because you've established all of these things about you, that he wipes you out, and all of a sudden everything that you thought was real in this world doesn't exist and doesn't make sense anymore. That's the beginning that those are the birth pangs, and most people, just like speaking of the seeds sown on the the rocky soil, most people can't handle that, and they will flee from it, and they'll go right back into the world. It's like screaming, "Take me back into the Matrix!" If you've ever watched the Matrix, and and he says, you know, put me back in, put me back in, let me go, you know, because uh, I'm terrified of what I've just learned as being the truth. It's the same thing. So once you wreck. Recognize once you go through those that stage, and everything has been destroyed. There is a time, just as we were listening earlier. I believe his name was Chuck. That he's like, oh, you know, it's such a lonely place. It is incredibly lonely in this world, but it's unbelievable joyful when you when you begin to commune with the Father. I could be alone now in the woods by myself, and I'm never alone, ever. I'm I'm happiest when it's just myself and the Father. I'm happiest when that's happening because that's when I'm really paying attention and that's where I receive the things. And it's not until the distractions of the world come. So it's a constant conflict for me. And that's precisely where, uh, where in reading earlier you hear it says that Christ withdrew and, and left them. And he went off in the mountains by himself. He had to recoup because the problems of the people that aren't quite to where he was at would be a drain on him. So he would come in and then go out and come in and then go out. This is the one foot on the sand and one foot on the sea that's described that you're, you're in this world and not, and not of it. So that walk begins to take on a different – there's different stages to this that first it's dying to yourself and then there's that loneliness and then there's that incredible communion with the Father. And then, that you, and then all of a sudden you, you are no longer – you, when you're separated from the world, you're no longer – um, trying to impress someone you're not worried about what they think of you because what they think of you is irrelevant when those when that death comes and their their thought patterns your thought pattern changes that their thoughts and their opinion of you is irrelevant and you won't allow anybody to step on you you won't allow anybody to bring things to you it's not that that you're angry with them but you become angry at the affliction that they have and an example of this would be you know, somebody will come to me and they'll make a statement about me. They'll, they'll, they'll tell me that, you know, you sound very angry. And I'm like, wow, that's quite the judgment that you've just now made, made me this angry man. In your mind, I'm angry. The limits of your understanding of who I am has now made you call me angry. Because you think I'm angry. Now you've brought that to me. The limits that you have in your mind, you've now projected onto me. And so you will refuse those things. And it's not that 
because you've worked so hard to flee from that yourself that you don't do that to others and you never would. You will never project your limits onto somebody else or your expectations onto somebody else. So you'll reject it immediately, and they'll become offended by that. They're like, I don't understand. Why, why are you so upset? I'm upset because you're basically making me out to be something I'm not, and that becomes a curse in and of itself. And now you're defending it. So he, here's, here's the way that I would liken this to is that um, if somebody says to me, you hurt my feelings. I'm not going to ask what I did. I would like clarity after the fact, but my biggest concern is to relieve your pain. I don't care whether I was responsible. I don't care whether I intended to. All of that is irrelevant. It doesn't matter whether I meant to hurt you, so why would I argue? Well, I didn't mean to argue. I didn't mean to hurt you. It doesn't matter whether I meant to hurt you. I did. And even if I didn't do it, even if it was just in your mind, but I'm the focus of attention when it came to hurting you, well, the greatest thing I can do to relieve your stress and to relieve your pain is to seek your forgiveness. Well, forgive me. I, you know, I, I don't ever want to hurt you, so please forgive me. And then, and then for clarity to make sure that you are – that you're in – you know, that your, your T's are cro- crossed and your I's are dotted, then ask, what did I do? And just that alone – a massive statement about who you've become because you sought forgiveness for something you didn't even know that you did. You don't even know what you did. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? All of a sudden, they're totally taken back by that and they go, what did I do to hurt you? And they're like, wow, I forgave you and you asked for forgiveness and you didn't even know what you did. So it's automatically just that whole attitude. That's those things. So, to, to make a statement about as to what it would be, it's so much bigger, Natalie. It's so much mm-hmm. bigger than a thing that could be described. You can't write it on a napkin. You can't put it in a fortune cookie. You can't put it into a poem. You can't write a song about it. You couldn't make a movie about it. It just is. It's so big that the world couldn't hold it, and that's what it speaks about these scriptures that I suppose that if – where it, it speaks at the end of John that I suppose if we wrote everything that he did and said, the world couldn't hold the books because there's just so much. And it's when, when Christ literally becomes in, in you in this way, this conversation that you have with the Father is infinite, that you begin to take on an understanding of the infinite mind. Sometimes it is so unbelievably difficult to grasp, but you just love hearing it because you know that if it's being spoken to you, that the truth of it and the evidence of the things that are being spoken to you, it will come crystal clear. He's, he doesn't waste his time. He's not going to tell you something that doesn't make sense to you without it eventually making sense. That's why you just don't you don't throw th- things out you know don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. go well i didn't that didn't make any sense to me so i'm not going to listen that 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 just becomes evidence of how short-sighted and how programmed right oh it didn't make sense to me right this second so i I, i'm going to throw it away no take things digest it don't be fearful of something don't be fearful of even somebody telling you something that isn't true because if it's not true it's not going to stick i just wrote Several of the things that you said in your blog, or in your thing, I wrote a blog today and said so many of the same things that you just said. 
Oh, see, that's what I'm talking about. This the oh. consciousness, Natalie, is that's... stunningly beautiful. Once you get once you get on that, it's like you want to say to everybody when they want to bring anger and they want to bring anguish to it, and they want to be. You literally just want to say, "Get off my cloud." I'm here. I'm connected. I feel it. I hear it. Just because you don't hear it, right? Just because you don't hear it, you want to attack. This is how beautiful it is, Natalie. This is the amazing part that you're – I can say these things that you just said. You thought about them, and now I speak them, and they become the confirmation. That's how you know you're there. So when you want to know what, what it would look like to walk like Christ today, you're doing it. You're doing it. This is what it looks like. I was brought to this, um, this, the fruit of the spirit. And I just want to remind people to always look at the fruit. Because in this world of deception, it's really hard to determine if somebody's lying to you, somebody's trying to trick you, take advantage of you, or hurt you. But if you, if you use the fruit of the spirit, as your lens to observe someone, to discern who they are. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the Word tells you that when you see that fruit, you'll know who is a true follower of the Word. Boy, I tell you, I, um, I I could just leave the show right there with you. I think that's what I'll do. Natalie, I love you so much, and I'm so thankful for you. For my email, brother, I've I've emailed you several times. So. Um, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll. I'll I know. For it. I know. I'm did, like you have did thousands. You your, I'm sure. Did Did you add your name, Natalie, to it? I'll I'll do a search for that. That's why. By the way, everybody, um, my new email, uh, the reason why I've added the new email is because I can use a different client for it. A, a Gmail is not very uh, very good. And um, so uh, it's Derek at crucifiedinchrist.com is my new email. So email me there. Natalie, if you could just forward that email to that email address because it will be easier for me to sort so I can have okay. separate folders and everything. Just Gmail is garbage. Um, it's really awful. And so, uh, it makes it so difficult that I get so many emails and they get lost. And many times people don't add their names and their screen name is different than their name. And so somebody will say, Hey, look for my email. I don't know their name. And it's, it's very, very hard. So, um, I apologize. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. But we will definitely talk. (laughs) All right. Okay. Thank thank you so much. much. I loved what you said. So, I will leave the show with that. I just want to, uh, I, I just, what a beautiful, what a beautiful testimony, but that's how it functions. And uh, it is truly astonishing. I'm going to go to, uh, I see a question that just popped up, so I don't have to spend a whole lot of time. Do I believe that Yeshua uh, studied yoga um, during his years? And uh, I can't really see it says the years that we do not have in the Bible. Um I will say that yoga, to me, as I've studied um, many of the texts and many of the teachings, I think yoga being a way to st- 
strengthen the body in ways that is supportive of everything spiritual. Anything that allows you to connect spiritually, anything that allows you to connect spiritually, as long as you are in Christ, it's the same thing that I was speaking about the shamans with mushrooms and ayahuasca. If you said, is mushrooms and ayahuasca good or bad for me to do? Uh, I can't answer that because I don't know all the details about you. I would say that yoga is probably something very much that he studied because the the body if the body is the shell that is encapsulating you and being used to to keep you enslaved then it is also then the answers will also be in this physical body since your brain is within it and that is your mind and so your mind communicating with your spirit i would say i would encourage anybody from a from a standpoint once you are once you are pursuing Christ and you have some discernment, I would encourage anybody to practice yoga, breathing, meditation, all of that. It is incredibly important to be able to be alone, be with yourself, breathe, become becoming self-aware, becoming so self-aware, knowing who you are. Everything about this world um, is designed to prevent you from knowing who you are. So I absolutely believe that, uh, that uh, Yahshua – Absolutely studied yoga and probably practiced it. And in fact, in some of the other, uh, some of the um, ancient texts that were removed, um, there are quite a few things that would uh, that would point to that as evidence. So I love you guys all very, very much, and I hope to uh, see you at the next show. I'll probably do one in uh, probably in a couple more days. I do have um, some things that I'm going to be focused on. Obviously, I still have more more work to do on the website, and uh, uh, which I do hope to have up soon. But um, I also have to focus on some some things here with my family, and uh, and help them out because they are the major supporters of of this work. Uh, you know, their it's their internet that they pay for. Um, it is their property that I stay on. And so I never want to uh, ever take advantage of that and or feel like that it's being taken advantage of. I want to make sure that I support them the best I can. Your message, getting this message to all of you and supporting you is incredibly important, but um, uh, I want to make sure that I do those things. So if I ever vanish for a few days and I'm not posting videos, just know I'm, I'm never uh, – I'm never – I'm never out just partying or doing something that's uh, that's uh, pointless. I'm always doing something that is meaningful and uh, that the Father's asked me to do. I love you all very much. I thank you so much for uh, joining the show, and I'll speak to you soon. 